Well, my name is Ron Cool. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside, and it's a joy for me to welcome you as well. And uh, I want to start with one of the lessons that probably all of us learned fairly early in life, and that is that words are powerful. The words that are spoken to us, but also the words that are spoken by us. Words have an amazing power. Your tongue, just for fun, is, uh, weighs about two and a half ounces, and it's technically a slab of mucous membrane. And so that's kind of always good to remember that. That's what your tongue is, mucous membrane. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, it's a powerful weapon. It's a powerful tool. It's got amazing power. Words are powerful. And and, and I think for many of us, the first thing we think about often with words is the destructive power of words. We're very aware of of words that people have spoken about us, that people have spoken to us, words that cut us deep, when people called us names, when people humiliated us, when people belittled us, maybe when somebody told a lie about us. We know the pain of that. We know the destructive power of words. The Bible certainly agrees with this and points out James chapter uh, 3, verses 7 and 8. It says, No human being can tame the tongue because it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Proverbs 12, verse 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. I mean, they just get inside of us. And those words can do so much more damage than sticks and stones, right? Proverbs 18, verse 21. The tongue has the power of death. And you've maybe seen that happen to someone. You've maybe seen that happen to somebody where a parent, where a a, a teacher, where somebody else just belittles a person over and over again. And in a sense, they almost just literally die. They just get smaller and smaller, and their spirit is crushed. Words have the power of death. Our Our words are powerful, and we often think about their destructive power, but that's not what I wanted to think about this morning. We, we think about that. We have to acknowledge that. But what I want to think about with you this morning is that our words are also have amazing power to do good. Uh, the, the tongue that you have in your mouth has an amazing power to have an impact on people around you. It has an amazing opportunity, the amazing ability to inspire, to encourage, to lift up, and to change other people's lives. Just as some of us can remember the times when bad words were spoken to us, harmful words were spoken to us 10, 20, 30 years ago, I hope and pray that you can also remember Somebody's words of encouragement from 10 or 20 or 30 years ago when that teacher said, I believe in you. I want to encourage you. Our words have amazing power to do good. Again, the scriptures affirm this. Proverbs 12, verse 18 says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise brings healing. It can bring an end to the pain or at least a lessening of the pain that somebody's experiencing. Proverbs 18.21 says the tongue is the power of, of death, but before that it says the tongue is the power of life and death. You can give somebody life with words that you speak, words that you write. Proverbs 15.4, the soothing tongue is a tree of life. And so I want to think about that. I want to think about how, how powerful our words are, that our words have an amazing power to do good. The Apostle Paul recognizes this. We see this throughout the New Testament as well. When, when Paul writes, for example, to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, this is a community that's struggling. Uh, they've had some members die recently. They've, they've gone through some difficult times. The Apostle Paul has been saying to them, you know what, you belong to Jesus Christ, and he's going to take care of you, and one day he's going to come back. And then he says this, therefore... Because of that, because you belong to Christ, because he's going to come back, because he's going to give you strength today, therefore, encourage one another. Encourage one another and build one another up. Inspire one another, just as, in fact, you are doing. Hebrews 10, again, a community that's struggling. 
The author of this letter writes these words, chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us consider, think about this, how might you spur one another on? How might you encourage somebody? How might you lift somebody's spirit up? Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day when Jesus comes back, as you see that day approaching, encourage one another. Spur one another on to good deeds, to love, to service, to hanging on to Christ, to staying faithful. Encourage, build up, spur one another. We started uh, at the beginning of this fall season with a, a sermon series that we're calling The One Another's, where we're looking at uh, some of the one another's. There are more than we're going to have time to look at. But we said the first one, and this is used 13 times in the New Testament. The, somebody says John or Peter or Paul or Jesus himself said, love one another. When it comes to brothers and sisters in Christ, you've got to love one another. And your love for each other will be how the world knows that you are my disciples. And we said, well, what does it mean to love one another? And so we said part of that is praying for one another. Part of that is accepting one another. Uh, We talked about for a couple of weeks about forgiving one another, that amazing act, that miraculous act of forgiving, letting go of our right to get even. Last week, Daniel talked about bearing one another's burdens, uh, coming alongside, and we were able to just help somebody to lift up that burden and to carry them and, and to carry that burden with them. And so today I want to think about encouraging one another about building one another up. What I want to do is I want to ask two questions, all right? What is it? And then I want to ask, you know what, what are some specific ways? One of the really fun things about about a sermon like this for me, and and I hope for you listening, this is one of those sermons you can put into practice by noon. You might be able to put it into practice by 10.30. You might be able to already right now, but I want you to be thinking about how you can encourage about whether it's somebody in your family, somebody in the group you're with this morning, somebody wherever. But how might you encourage? So let's, let's start by asking, though, what is encouragement? What is encouragement? And, and I think this is, again, one of those cases where we have to recognize a few things that encouragement is not. Because sometimes, and I think our culture is really good at this, we claim to be encouraging, but in reality we're not encouraging. So I want to make some clarifications. The first thing that encouragement is not is cur- encouragement is not manipulation. Now, the words might be the same, <laughs> But the intent is extremely different. Imagine that I come up to you uh, sometime this week or after the service, and I say to you, you know what, I've never seen anybody stack chairs the way you stack chairs. It seems to be your spiritual gift. You are so amazing at it. You are so fantastic. I mean, those stacks you make, they're perfect. They're the right number of chairs, and they're not crooked at all. And it's just, I've never seen. Now, if my intent is to bless you, to give you strength, that's encouragement. There's a pretty good chance my intent is just to manipulate you. I want you to, I want you to stack more chairs. I want you to do this for me. And, and my intent is for me to do less work. And when you do that, some of you have bosses who do this, right? They're saying great job, but you know what in reality they're saying is, I'm going to try to manipulate you to get something else out of you. That's not encouragement. The question is, am I doing it for your sake or am I doing it for my sake? If I'm doing it for my sake, it's manipulation. Words might be the same. But check yourself and say, am I doing this because I, because I really believe this person needs encouragement? Because you really are the greatest chair stacker in the world. Or am I doing it because I just don't want to do it, and I'm going to try to manipulate you into doing it? Okay, manipulation, that's not encouragement. Sometimes it's close, but it's not encouragement. The second one, encouragement, is not giving advice. Sometimes I think we kind of start off saying, I want to encourage this person. I want, to, I want to just really give them strength. I want to come alongside. And in reality, what we end up doing is giving advice. 
Imagine an older mother in the congregation talking to a younger mother in the congregation. They might be mother and daughter, but we don't have to go there. But anyway, imagine you know, an older mother talking to a younger mother and, and just saying, oh, and I remember when I had three kids under five, and it was so crazy. I just want to come alongside, and I want to encourage you, all right? And, and I just want to tell you, you know, hang in there. I want to encourage you. But, but also, I wanted you to know that if you got the kids on a regular nap schedule, it'd be a lot easier. And, you know, it's, 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 I think your kids would be happier if their clothes were clean and if they occasionally had a bath. But I want to encourage you. No, you don't. You want to advise them, right? It, that's, friends, know this. People need encouragement a thousand times more than they need advice. And don't give advice unless you're in the right position to do it. Usually that means you get asked for it. Sometimes it's good to give advice. But more often, it's better to give encouragement. Most of the time, you know what? I know what I'm supposed to do. Most of the time, I know how I should be acting. Just don't do it. And and, and I don't necessarily need your advice. What I need is encouragement. What I need is strength. What I need is support. What I need is hope. What I need is help. It's not advice. And so if you're going to go encourage somebody... Check yourself and make sure that it's not just a little bit of encouragement so now I can come and tell you, this is what you should be doing. No, encouragement says you can do this. Keep going. And then the third thing that encouragement is not is it's, it's not lying. Okay, again, if for some of us it's like, okay, encouragement, I want to make you feel better. So, Ron, i got to tell you, you know, in that sermon where you sang, that was wonderful. You got the greatest voice I've ever heard. That's a lie. You want to tell me I'm the best preacher in the state? That's a lie. You don't lie, right? I mean, you don't you just say, you know, you're, you're not as bad as you used to be. Something like that, you know? I mean, at least that's true. Uh, no, it's not a very good encouraging thing. Uh, but, but, you know, I mean, again, don't lie because people know. And, and then the words are worthless. So you don't have to kind of pretend that something is true that's not. What you do is you find out what is true, and you, and you name it, and you it will talk about specific ways to do that. But that's what encouragement is. not. It's not manipulation or lying, and it's not giving advice. What is it? Here's, here's what I suggest as a definition. Encouragement is coming alongside someone, all right? Coming alongside someone with words or deeds that give strength, support, and hope. It's coming alongside someone. Every one of the Greek words that's, that's used in these texts, I won't take the time to show it, but a number of them have the word para in it, like a paralegal is somebody who comes along, a lawyer. It's para. You come alongside. All these words are about you come alongside. You don't get in front and tell them where to go. You're not behind pointing out where they've been wrong. You're just coming alongside in encouragement. You're coming alongside and you're saying, keep on going with words or deeds that give strength and hope and, and support that's what I'm doing. I'm coming alongside, and I'm doing that. I was thinking about one of the interesting things Daniel talked about last week. He said, you know, there are sometimes when we can't bear somebody else's burden. They have a load that they have to carry on their own. And I thought, you know what, maybe that kind of is, is when we, we encourage all the time, but especially when you know you can't just take away the pain from somebody else. You can't just take away the hurt from somebody else. You can encourage. You can come alongside with words or deeds that say you're not alone. You're not alone. And you can keep going. And you can keep struggling. Because I'm here with you. And we're going to do this. And I want to encourage you. That's what we need so often. And part of what I want to say today, because I think we do this so easily, never underestimate. 
Do not underestimate the power of encouragement. Don't underestimate how powerful encouragement can be. Really, you can change somebody's life. I can, I, I can remember words that were spoken to me in high school by some people, some who are here, that just I still hold on to. That it was just like, okay, I can do this. They believe in me. The person thinks that I have a gift here. And that is so powerful. So don't underestimate. It's just words, right? It's only words. Yeah, your words have the power to change lives. Your words have the power to lift somebody up. Larry Crabb, a Christian author, wrote these words. He said, a well-timed word, a well-timed word has the power to urge a runner to finish the race, to rekindle hope when despair is set in, to speak a bit of warmth in an otherwise cold life, to renew confidence when problems have the upper hand. Don't underestimate how powerful encouragement can be. So that's what encouragement is. It's coming alongside someone with words or deeds that give help, support, and, and, and that give hope, okay? It's just coming alongside with words or deeds. And what I want to do now is, is just give you five ways. What are some of the ways, specific ways that we can do it? Like I say, this is one that, that you can do by noon today. I challenge you all to say, okay, I'm going to do something in the foyer. I'm going to do something on the ride home. But there are five things I want to suggest that we can do that are powerful in their encouragement. The first one doesn't involve words, even though I've been talking about words. I think the first part of encouragement is listening. It is such a gift to give somebody, to listen to somebody else, and to genuinely listen and to genuinely hear what that person has to say. James talks about the power of tongue, also talks about how important listening is. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. And friends, these are words I would ask you to memorize. Just imagine these next words. If all of us actually did this, how the world would change. He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Say that with me, all right? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. One more time. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Could you imagine what classrooms would be like, what families would be like, what churches would be like if we all learned to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry? Most of us are slow to listen and quick to speak. Because really, I don't care what you have to say because I'm right. And, and, I mean, let's be honest. A lot of times when we're not talking in a conversation out loud, the other person is talking, what we're looking for is what are we going to say next? Where can I start to get my monologue in again? But to genuinely listen is a huge act of encouragement. There are, I think, three ways that, that listening becomes an act of encouragement. It, it, by itself, it is an act of encouragement because when you listen to somebody, what you say to that person is you're not alone. What you say to that person, when you listen, and when you genuinely listen to what they're saying, you say, I care about you. you. You have value. You're important. You're not alone. Again, probably all of us, if we think about it, could think of times where somebody just listening to us, not saying anything, but just listening to us. That was such an encouragement. It gave us the strength to take another step forward. Sometimes it's just listening itself is an act of encouragement, but also uh, listening helps us to know where the person needs encouragement. I think this is, again, so hard because our sinful nature is always focused on ourselves. And so what I do is I look at you and your situation, and without listening to you, I decide what you need. I decide what, what, what you need. And so I, here's where your problem is. And so I start to encourage you in that area. Guess what? I need to listen to say, where do you need encouragement? Where's your struggle? 
Is your struggle with your kids? Is your struggle with your mother-in-law? Is your struggle with this? Is your struggle with that? Until I listen, I don't know. And my encouragement will not be nearly as effective unless I actually know where your struggle is. And so it can help me know where the person needs encouragement when I listen to that person. And it also can tell me a little bit maybe about how I encourage. Again, I can tell you what encourages me. Cash. No. Um, uh, but, you know... It, Okay. Uh, How does this person get encouraged? Is it a handwritten note? Is it a phone call? Is it flowers? What is it that encourages this person? Listen, listen, listen. Don't ask what encourages you, because you're not about encouraging yourself right now. You're about encouraging that other person. So find out what is it. And, and, and so listening can be an absolutely essential part of that. So the first thing we do is, is we listen. And you can do that on the way home to genuinely listen. And it doesn't mean just getting the words. It means hearing the heart. Okay, guys? Hearing the heart. Listen. Second thing you can do, name gifts and abilities. Just name it. And this is, in some ways, the, the kind of the classic encouragement is just say, I see this in you. I see this gift in you. I see this ability in you. The Apostle Paul was a master at encouraging. And, and in the beginning of most of his letters, he starts off with encouragement. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 1, the first several verses, starting at verse 3. But Paul says to them, and imagine somebody saying this to you. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. When we pray, we give thanks to God because of your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, I am so pumped up about what you guys are doing. I am so excited about what God is doing in your lives. I mean, you just when somebody tells you that, it just lifts you up, right? It encourages you. It gives you another strength to, to, have, to, to, to move forward. Paul goes on, verse 4 and 5, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Imagine that you are loved by God. Just to, to remind somebody of that. Because our gospel, our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. And you guys, you guys just grabbed onto the gospel. And it is so exciting and so wonderful to see you in, 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 in that response. You know how we lived among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. You welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. Now again, Paul isn't saying, I'm encouraging you. But he's encouraging them, right? He's naming what he sees. He's naming their gifts. He's naming their abilities. He's naming their response. And he's naming what God is doing in their lives. And just by naming those things, he is saying, you know what? And then he goes on and he just nails it at verses 7 and 8. He says, so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. You know, it's so cool. And I, and I mean, just generally, think about this. To, to think about it. We have supported music ministry in Cuba for 12, 13, 14 years. Man, the people in Cuba, they know about Hillside. It's crazy that these people in this nation that's cut off from the rest of the world, they know about Hillside. They talk about you guys. And they think you're all wonderful. Now, I need to go and tell them the truth. But no, they do. It's just amazing. It is amazing the impact that you have had on this. And, and, and as you realize that, it's kind of like, oh, yeah. It really does make a difference. And so we do that. We name gifts and abilities in others. Sometimes we literally name people. Uh, Jesus does that with, with Peter when, when Simon was his name at the time. When Simon says, you are the Christ, 
The son of the living God. Look at what Jesus does. Matthew 16, 17, and 18. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. I tell you, you are rocky. That's what it means. You are rocky, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, Peter was not always acting like Rocky for the rest of his life, but imagine, you know, Jesus saying, you know who you are? You're Rocky. You know who you are? You're faithful. You're encourager. You're this. And, and, and sometimes, again, we can do that with our kids. We can do that with friends. The names that we give them, literally the names that we give them. World Series Tuesday, so we've got to do a couple baseball stories. Oral Hershiser, some of you are familiar with him. He was a pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, does some announcing right now. Oral Hershiser, aside from being given the name Oral, which is unkind and cruel, Oral Hershiser was a pitcher for the Dodgers, and the manager, Tommy Lasorda, he was kind of quiet, kind of timid. Tommy Lasorda knew that he needed, he needed encouragement, and he saw something inside Hershiser. And, and, and Tommy Lasorda went to Oral Hershiser, and he said, your name is Bulldog. I'm not going to call you Oral. Your name is Bulldog Hershiser. And some of you, if you follow baseball close enough, you know that's his nick. It's stuck in announcers, and people started calling him Bulldog. You're Bulldog Hershiser. And this kind of mild-mannered guy just started to become more and more of a bulldog because he was given that name. And so name those things. Name those things in the people around you. Say, this is who you are. Name those gifts and abilities. Third, challenge people to do what they don't think they can do. Sometimes, we, 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 by our nature, we kind of say, oh, no, that's a bigger job than I can't do that. That's for somebody else. Again, I'll do this real quick, but the, the book of the Bible in the Old Testament that gives us a, a great model of this is the book of Esther. Real quick, Esther was a Jewish beauty. She was a beauty queen. Um, she was part of Israel, the nation of Israel when they were in captivity in Persia, okay? So they were in captivity in Persia. Esther is there. A lot of other the Jewish people are there. They have some level of freedom. They just can't go back home. And what happens is uh, Xerxes, who's the king, Xerxes needs a new wife. The old one didn't do what she was supposed to do, and this is not good. But all of his male advisors came to him and said, Xerxes, if you don't get rid of her, all of our wives are going to start to, like, speak up. And, act, and uh, that's not God's way, okay. But, but Xerxes says, okay, so got rid of Vashti, needs a new queen. So they had a, a, a beauty pageant. And Esther, an Israelite, is chosen to be the queen. She's beautiful. She's chosen to be the, the queen. Now, sometime later, what happens is a guy by the name of Haman who hates the Jewish people. Haman decides he wants to kill all the Jews, and he goes to, to Xerxes and says, here's the plan. And Xerxes says, fine, I don't care about him. I don't know. He doesn't know Esther's a Jew, and, and so on. So Uncle Mordecai, Esther's Uncle Mordecai, comes to Esther and says, uh, you got to go talk to your husband. <laughs> you got to go talk to the king, all right? You got to go talk to Xerxes. Esther says, time out. <laughs> time out. Do you understand the last woman who didn't do what this king wanted, what happened to her? Do you understand she has been banished to Siberia or someplace like that? Do you understand that? If, if he doesn't call me, I don't go in. That's the way it was. If Xerxes didn't call, she couldn't go in. And, and you know, Mordecai, Uncle Mordecai, I think, would have been really tempted, like I am sometimes, to say, oh, that's all right. I couldn't ask you to do that. But what he says is, you know what? God's going to get it done. And then those beautiful words in 414. He says, and who knows but you, that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Esther, maybe it was God who put you right here right now. I know it's scary, 
And I know you want to let yourself off the hook. And I know you want to say, let somebody else do it. Send somebody else. But God put you in this position. And I think you can do it. And she did. And, and the people of Israel were saved. But again, he's, he's challenging her. And, 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 and you can do that with somebody to say, you know what? I know this looks too big for you. I know trying to get into this college, I know becoming a doctor, I know becoming whatever it is, it might seem like that's impossible for you, but I want to say, I think you can do it. I think you can do it, all right? Let's keep going here. we got to keep moving. Uh, Challenge people to do what they don't think they can do. Four, stand with people. Don't even have to say something. Just be with somebody. Just be present with them. Again, 2 Kings 2, verse 2. We have Elijah, the old prophet, who's going to die soon. And Elisha, the one who's going to take over, and they're together, and Elijah wants to just go die on his own, all right? And so Elijah says to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel, and he was just there. He was just there. Again, some of you are familiar. We're with the Dodgers today. I I hope they don't win the World Series. But Pee Wee Reese and Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in baseball, first African-American to play. Played for the the Brooklyn Dodgers at the time. And uh, it was not easy to be an African-American in the major leagues, to be the only one. And there was one game in particular, I think it was at Cleveland, might have been Cincinnati. One game in particular where it was just so nasty. And, and Jackie Robinson is just getting racial slurs just poured down on him and just nasty stuff. Pee Wee Reese, shortstop, just went over. Maybe you've seen the statue. He just put his arm around him and just looked at everybody and says, I'm with him. That's powerful. Sometimes it's just holding somebody's hand. Sometimes it's just giving somebody a hug. Encouragement just by being there, saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. And then the last one, one of the ways we can point encouragement, in some ways this is the ultimate encouragement. This is the heart of all the other encouragements because ultimately what I do when I encourage you is I point you to God's grace and God's faithfulness and God's help. Again, it's not that I look at you and say, oh, I know you can do this. No, I know God can do this through you. I'm not so enamored all the time with my abilities or your abilities, but I am what I am in love with and, and absolutely want to talk about is how God, God, good God is. And I want to say, you know what? God's not going to let you go. God's going to help you take step after step after step. Again, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but God is going to be there with you. And so, you know, again, we see this, Paul in his letter to the Philippians, he begins again with some of that encouragement of just naming gifts in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And then he goes on and he says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Being confident of this, that you got Jesus. No, <laughs> that Jesus has you. Being confident of this, that you're going to stay faithful. No, that Jesus is going to keep doing his work in you. That's my confidence. That's why I can encourage you. Not because you're all so great. And you can't encourage me because I'm so great. But I can encourage you because God is still at work. And God is going to complete his work. And he's never going to let you go. And I think the ultimate encouragement is pointing others to God's help and to God's faithfulness. 
And so I just want to close by asking you to, to think about who needs encouragement from you today. Just think about it and, and say, all right, do I write a note? Do I make a call? Maybe tomorrow you say, okay, who needs encouragement? It's this guy at work, this woman at work. But you can do this. Each and every one of us, by God's grace, having been ex- just exposed to God's amazing love, one of the great ways we love the people around us is with our words and deeds where we come alongside and we give them strength and support and hope. Let's pray together. Father, many of us maybe have been thinking about the ways that others have encouraged us, the words, the deeds, the way somebody just was there and, and hugged us. Father, help us to become a community of encouragement. Help us in all of our communities, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our churches. Help us to become people who lead the way with our words and deeds of lifting others up, of inspiring others, of pointing others to what you can do in their lives. And so, Father, we do that so that ultimately you might be praised and and your kingdom might come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.